Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's show, we have a conversation with Corbett Barr from CorbettBarr.com. Corbett has had a huge impact on my life and my business. And after a recent conversation I had with Clay about hustling and burning out, I knew I had to introduce them. That's because Corbett is one of my favorite thinkers when it comes to balancing life with the hustle of entrepreneurship. Corbett's insights lead us down a path answering questions like, What am I giving up by hustling all the time? Or do I really need to promote my business everywhere online? Or how can I stop wasting time on tasks that don't matter and focus on better ones? If you've ever felt even a little bit burnout, if you've ever felt overworked in your own business, wondering where your entrepreneurial freedom even went, then this episode with Corbett Barr is for you. We'll get started after this quick message from our sponsors. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. I'm Preston Lee from Milo.co. Joining me on the air, as always, is my friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey, Clay, how you doing? Hey, good. What's up, man? Doing really well. Uh, Everyone's just burning up. We were just talking about the weather, of course, because what else do you talk about before you hit record on a podcast? But uh, yeah, it's like everything's (laughs) just so hot right now. Um, Joining us also from fairly nearby... Uh, is Corbett Barr from CorbettBarr.com. Hey, Corbett, thanks so much for taking time to be on the show today, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I am so excited to have you. I have to admit, uh, I'm, I'm, I always fanboy out a little bit, Corbett, when we chat. I know we've, <laughs> we've had a few off-the-air conversations. I would maybe call us acquaintances at this point, uh, but I totally, uh, I still remember the days of just like binge listening to The Fizzle Show which if you haven't listened to that podcast, I, I recommend you go back and listen to as many episodes as you can. But um, just a big fan of the work you've, you've done and continue to do, Corbett. So, uh, so yeah, thanks to, for taking time today to join us. I want to I wanna kind of frame this conversation. So listeners of the podcast know that, that a few episodes ago, a handful of episodes ago, Clay and I were talking about this idea of like revenue on autopilot, balancing your life with your business, maybe like slowing down the hustle a little bit. <laughs> Um, Clay, maybe you can recap where that conversation came from so that the listeners who maybe haven't heard that episode or, or it's been a minute, can you recap like how you were feeling when we had that conversation? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember that day, actually. <laughs> I think I, I, was, uh, I was having one of those days, you know what I mean? Um, and it just happened to fall on a podcast day. <laughs> um, so I think it was like one of those things. I don't know if it's like, 
considered a quarter life crisis in entrepreneurship or, or <laughs> sure. whatever. Uh, but it was like uh, you know, you know, because it's like entrepreneurship is is like hustle, hustle, hustle. You know, it's like grinding all the time. And I'm like, uh, you know, I do well, um, but it's like. I the, the, there's just like all these different ideas like this this idea of like I want to make money to where it's it's like basically the third I, I consider it the third phase of entrepreneurship so it's like the first phase is you learn a skill the second phase is okay uh, then I'll I'll do it for people and then the third phase is okay let me figure out how to sell that knowledge and and basically create passive income, quote unquote passive. Um, and so like that, that's where it's like that one day that uh, you and I were talking, it's just like, um, uh, it just coincidentally also happened that that morning, I have a friend who, who, who does that kind of stuff, like just passively, um, where it's just like, damn, I want your life, man. Like I'm over here working my ass <laughs> off and you're like, I swear you're, you're making 10x money than I am. And I swear you're working nothing. Right, you're like it's there's no work, and so that that's kind of the tangent I got onto. Um, it's like, okay, let me figure out how to do that. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? and I'm kind of getting, I'm I'm entering that stage now. So like, I'm I'm kind of at the end of that phase. Yeah, I'd say you're stage. I'd say you're closer to that than than maybe you give yourself credit for. But but in that episode, I started talking about this guy Corbett Barr, who I've been uh, listening to and and interacting with for quite a while. And Corbett to me is like such a great uh, thinker around the idea of like lifestyle business and, and balancing your business with your life and not letting your business take over your life and understanding like how to, how to balance all of that. Corbett, mm-hmm. maybe you could give us and the listeners, uh, you know, Clay doesn't, doesn't know you. I'm introducing you to, I'd love to maybe just give Clay and the listeners a quick introduction to, to who you are. You can start with what you're working on now and maybe rewind on how you got there, but give us a couple minutes of, of who Corbett Barr is so that people will stick around for the next half hour or so. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for uh, over 15 years and I've earned a living from everything from blogging to podcasting, selling online courses, doing uh, venture capital-backed startups, software as a service, kind of everything in between. Over the past 12 years, my wife and I have spent every winter in Mexico. And that all started in 2009 when we took a road trip sabbatical for six months throughout Mexico because I was in between gigs. I had uh, run a startup in San Francisco for several years that flamed out in spectacular fashion, left me burned out and wondering what I was going to do next. So instead of just jumping right into the next thing, we decided to hit the reset button. And the best way to do that felt like just completely unplugging and getting away from all of the normal social influences so that I could clear my head, really reconnect with who I was, what I wanted from my life, and um, really consider what would come next and the best way to do that. And while we were on that trip, I really started asking myself questions about the nature of career and life and how the two integrated and why we all lived around our careers, why we all felt like our lives had to be structured around our careers and if maybe it couldn't be the other way around. So I started a blog on a whim in on that trip in 2009 to sort of chronicle our trip 
and ask these questions out loud so they could start a dialogue about it. And it turns out that a lot of people were interested in those questions Mm -hmm. then um, because we were coming out of a uh, recession in the uh, financial collapse that happened in 2008. And here we are 12 years later, basically coming out of a similar experience, (laughs) uh, coming out of a recession. So again, I think people are interested in these questions because for the past year, you know, during this pandemic, we all have found ourselves in front of screens a lot more than I think is natural and a lot more than we normally would. And we probably have said yes to a lot of commitments that that keep us online and away from living real in-person um, three-dimensional lives. So I think this topic is is great. And I know that ties in really nicely to some of the things you've been exploring lately too, which is like how does social media and really just online being online all the time, being connected all the time, letting companies know where we are and who we are and what we're doing. Like, how does that impact our overall happiness and satisfaction in life? And and like you said, just like getting out and living life too. Yeah. And, you know, I have long felt that I had a bit of a problem with some of the the tech companies, big tech. I know a lot of people talk about that lately. Um, Just feeling increasingly uncomfortable about the amount of control they have over us, uh, whether you're talking about Amazon or Facebook or any of the other big companies that we really interact with a lot and are becoming a, a bigger and bigger part of our lives and our economy and so on. And I think it all comes back to these companies are are really good at building platforms that are meant to manipulate us so that we spend more and more time on them, mm. more and more time using them. And uh, again, you know, during the pandemic, and because a lot of us have been working online, working remotely, and so on, we've just we really dove deep into spending a lot of time on uh, social media, on Zoom, in front of Netflix, and all the other streaming platforms that are out there now, and uh, just a lot of time in front of the screen. And I think a lot of us have um, maybe forgotten about what really matters to us in life and what it means to be a real human, and also, especially for business owners we have embraced this more is more mentality or this be everywhere mentality where you know we have to our digital selves have to be represented on every single platform because there are opportunities there and uh we didn't really consider what the consequences of that might mm. be yeah we had a great conversation some episodes ago uh we'll link to it in the show notes of this episode as well but as well as the you know the one we've been referring to earlier in in this show but um we talked with Adi Peinar, who uh, who wrote Life Profitability, he talked about uh, yeah how we we've started to measure success, particularly as entrepreneurs, we we sometimes measure success in the wrong way. And I don't know if that was like the spark that got you Clay thinking about it a little bit more, but yeah, it could be. In, in, in any case, you know, I think it's it's something we all face at some point when you're when you're first starting as an entrepreneur, you kind of are just hustling for scraps and and it's exciting. And then at some point, it kind of levels out. It's a little more predictable. If you listen to our show, hopefully that's helping it become more predictable. And then at some point, you ask yourself, you know, when does the grind stop? Or when does it slow down? Or when can I take time to actually live my life? One thing that I love is that uh, as I was starting my business, I was lucky enough to find Corbett and and some similar people um, early on. And so I was able to build my business in a way that you know, it's never been really about making huge amounts of money. I am a capitalist. I do like money. I like profit. But it's never been about that primarily. It's been about like the freedom of 
going where I want to, when I want to. You know, this idea of Corbett like living in Mexico for half the year every year is so intriguing to me. Um, especially Clay, you said like you, yeah. you want to move to, I think you said like the Caribbean or something. The Caribbean, like, man. Puerto Rico, <laughs> yeah. Puerto Rico. Yeah. So I guess, I guess Corbett, like if, if there are people listening who are in where Clay was not long ago, um, maybe where you were, uh, you know, a decade ago or whatever, like what, what advice would you give them if they were early on in their business or maybe they're feeling burned out in a five or 10 year old business? Where, where do they turn? Where do they start on this like, finding a new way to balance real life with this online business life. I mean, where do you start people? Well, I think there are a couple of things. I mean, first, we tend to start to feel as though we have to hustle in order to keep things moving and in order maybe to deserve the success that we've had so far Mm. and the success that we want in the future. And we just kind of assume that hustle has to be the norm. And, you know, there are well, all and kinds we're preached of- that by like like the Gary V's of the world, right? Nothing, nothing against Gary V, but like it, there's this, there's this hustle culture for sure. Absolutely. And it's it, yeah, it's not just um Gary and and you know, yeah. and God bless him and others like him who can work so hard, but a lot of us aren't cut out for 60 hour weeks right. continuously. You know, I, I think for me personally. My career is a marathon, not a sprint. And it's something that I want to enjoy, something that I want to be able to enjoy for a long time, and also something that I expect that I will need to be able to do for a long time just because it's not as if I I imagine myself walking into the kind of wealth that would preclude me from working. And also, because I really love parts of what I do for a living. And there have been plenty of times where I spent weeks not working, uh, for one reason or another, and I find myself getting a little bored after a while. So I need to have something to do, and it may as well be some form of work. But if you're going to make it work for you know several decades, you have to think of it as a marathon and not a sprint, and that means you have to pace yourself. So I, I just don't. I, I think we can all agree that that hustle culture is okay for short sprints, but it's not sustainable over the long term. So so that's the first piece. And then the second piece is, I think there are a lot of things that we fill our day with that are really busy work and they contribute to this and they make us feel like, you know, it's great, I'm doing so much work every day, getting a lot done, checking things off the to-do list, you know, being everywhere. But if you really start to examine things and you make a list of all the tasks that you do every week, Examine them for the amount of time you spend, the amount of energy that they take or give, and the return that you think you're seeing on that investment in terms of uh, your business, your sanity, and so on. There are probably a lot of things in that schedule that actually aren't serving you very much, and yet you're spending a lot of time on them. So Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. there's probably a lot more slack in our weekly schedules than we give ourselves credit for. And also, we should all be identifying the things that are really high leverage that we can be spending more time doing because they actually mm. give us a, a higher return. And, and you know, you mentioned, Preston, not caring necessarily uh, just about the money and, and the wealth and so on, um, and, and more about the lifestyle and so on. And so when I say return, I don't just mean return on uh, your money, but also your emotional return, your... Uh, That's so good. The other, the other things that that matter to you, uh, your legacy, all the things that you value. That's really good. I, I like, um, 
I like I like that you mentioned the emotional return. Like that, I, I think people don't. I think they completely underestimate that factor. Um, so, question. So, you, you mentioned that uh, you know your career is a marathon. How would you respond to people? And, and this is this is probably uh, more um, more of an accurate statement in like the tech world, uh, marketing world, but like. How would you respond to like, because uh, like the, the, just like society, like this entrepreneur society, uh, the startup society is like said, you need to be quick at, on everything. So how would you respond to that? Well, I, I you know, I, I find that my best work is usually actually slow work. I find that if I mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. time and space for me personally, especially in the morning, uh, where I don't have to jump immediately into email or a meeting or other kinds of communication, and I can spend time actually diving deep into one specific topic, that's when really good, important work comes out. There are times, of course, during the week where I feel like I need to sit down in front of a task list and just bang things out because there are a lot of uh, things that require quick decisions to make progress. But all of the things that we appreciate in life, whether it be you know music or uh, art or um, you know time with family or whatever, those require slow attention. Uh, so you know, I, I would just push back on that. Mm, that's good. That's good. Yeah, you know, something you said previously got me thinking as well. I I've had. Um... I don't know if it's really a rare opportunity anymore. I hear so many people going through the same situation, but I I uh, worked on my business on the side for so many years, like I think seven years or something. I'm starting to lose track until I lost my job and and took the business full time. And you know, in that moment, or or in the in the years right after that, um, anytime I would tell people what I was up to, you know, everyone asks what you do, <laughs> right? At a at a, any sort of social or family gathering, they ask how your job's going. So it always comes up. I'd bring it up and the questions I would get about working for myself full time, never, like I literally can't think of once that someone asked about the money. Now, you know, I admit it is kind of awkward. So people aren't going to ask that anyway, but like no one ever was like, oh, is that good money? Is that, you know, are you doing well financially? Except maybe my mom and my grandparents who were worried about us making it. Yeah, I was going to say, my mom asked me that all the time. <laughs> but, but, like, but like everyone else, uh, they were they were extremely curious about the lifestyle. They wanted to know, like, oh, are you just like, are you just like spending so much more time with your family? Are you spending more time barbecuing? They know I love to barbecue. Like, um, they everyone was fascinated by this idea of the the emotional return and and you know aspects related to that emotional return that you get from running a business. And they were far less interested. I think once once you once people kind of meet their basic needs or maybe even their basic wants uh, in terms of money, then they they care way more about like, are you serious? You don't commute to work or you or you don't, you know, you don't have to deal with a boss or all these things that they hate, they project on you and they ask start asking you questions about it. And I just think that speaks to like the power of how important that emotional return is. And the hard part is like people aren't blogging about that, right? Like People are blogging about how much they made last month uh, in their business, or, or how much you know how how big their client was that they just landed, or whatever. And that's that's what we talk a lot about as entrepreneurs. But there's this whole other side that really brings the greatest satisfaction. Yeah, for all the the like common wisdom about how 
money can't buy happiness and even studies that show that over a certain amount of mm-hmm. income, incrementally, you won't actually find yourself happier. We do spend an enormous amount of time stressing about money. And I'm not saying that I don't care about money. Of course I do. And and all else being equal, I would rather have more money than less. Sure. But at the same time, uh, I find myself sometimes causing undue emotional stress on myself because I'm so worried about that next project, that next client, you yeah. know, that next product launch or whatever. And at the end of the day, you know, I know that I'm going to be fine, especially if we're talking about entrepreneurs who are, you know, uh, consistently earning close to six figures or so. Mm-hmm. You will be fine. Like you earn enough to live a great life, and you can probably live an extraordinary lifestyle and be able to travel and spend time and and do all that sort of stuff. Um, but I still find myself stressing out. So it's not as if I'm not susceptible to it. And uh, I think that just makes it even more important that we really focus on where we're spending time. And for me recently, uh, you know, six months ago or so, I, I did this giant examination of where I was spending time and where I was seeing value. And I decided that for me, social media is just not a good return on my time. If yeah. I look at the way that I felt during and after sessions of scrolling on social media, or if I looked at the returns that I was seeing in my business, they really just weren't there versus other things. And so about six months ago, I deleted every social media post I had made um, all over the internet on every platform. And then I systematically ended up deleting every account except uh, for Twitter, which I'm not super active on. And we can talk about that separately, but basically unplugged myself from social media. And I have not noticed any negative effects on my business. Uh, I have noticed that I have a lot more time and mental clarity. And also, uh, I am able to spend that time on other things, whether they be personal or if uh, I want to spend that time on business, I've poured them into other things that I feel like are better uses of my time. Yeah, this is so fascinating because we talk all the time as we're coaching people on this show, we talk about opportunity cost, right? And we usually talk about it in the context of business. It's like, well, if you you can either hire someone to do that or you have to do it yourself. Either way, it has to get done. And what opportunities are you giving up if you do it yourself versus if you hire someone? So we always talk about opportunity cost. What we don't often talk about is like the opportunity cost on your lifestyle and on your life outside of work because every decision, every time you decide to to say yes to something in your business, you're essentially saying no to something else that you could be doing in your life. So yes, there's a yes and no balance in your business, but there's also a yes and no balance in your life. And so it's like, you know, if if I choose to work an extra two hours today, I'm not going to make it to the gym and then I'm not going to be as healthy and then I may not be as happy. And so so it can create this this imbalance uh, as we if we don't carefully weigh the opportunity costs of constantly being online, constantly being checked in, constantly hustling, constantly working on the business 24-7, which is so easy with, with computers in our pockets uh, and, and, and people in different time zones. I mean, you can literally work on your business all day around the clock if you're not careful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking as, as you were talking about outsourcing and, and how a lot of times that's kind of the decision. You look at any task that you're doing repetitively and you say, uh, should I do this myself or should I outsource it? 
But I, I think actually a better framework would be sort of uh, close to the reduce, reuse, recycle framework. If you think about that, what environmentalists are telling you is that the best and first decision is actually to reduce your consumption overall. The second would be to reuse something multiple times so that you're not consuming something new. And then the third is to recycle. And for a lot of uh, us, you know, we grew up in an era when recycling wasn't even a thing. And then recycling came out and it felt like, oh my God, we have a solution to our environmental problems. We just recycle it. But, you know, of course, now we look into it and we find out that recycling has all kinds of problems and costs and so on. So it's actually better to either reduce or reuse. In your business, I think you could say something similar. And that is, instead of just asking myself, should I do this or should I outsource it? Maybe first you should ask yourself, should this task be done at all? Or could it go undone? Mm, yeah, that's good. Yeah, That's probably the first step. And then the second step would be, could this be minimized? Could it be you know, contained into a really small amount of time? And then maybe the third would be to outsource or, or vice versa. But I noticed that for me personally, when I outsource something, it's great. I don't have to do it anymore. But at the same time, we all know that it's not just a, a completely hands-off thing when you outsource something. There's right. still a decent amount of interaction there, some hand-holding, getting people up to speed, um, maybe finding the wrong person at first and then having to look for someone else. Maybe that person quits at some point and then it falls back mm-hmm, on you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there are all kinds of issues with that, I think. And um, I, I just I think that we can all maybe come up with a stop-doing list for our businesses and you might be surprised at what ends up yeah. on that list. I think... I think we actually did a a whole episode on that, didn't we, Preston? Or something similar. I think I think the question I asked uh, somebody that came on the the show was like, look at all the things. Um, and I completely agree with you, but like, look at all the things that you do in a given day. And like, the question I always ask myself is, what would actually happen if this did not get done? Yeah. Like, what's the worst case scenario? Like, if it's not. If it's not bad, then it's like okay. Well, then just completely eliminate it. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I did. Did we do an episode? Or am I imagining that? You know, it sounds really familiar. I don't know. We've done so many of these conversations; it's hard to keep track. <laughs> but, um, but uh, case in point, like, uh, well, here's what I think. I think you you can also keep in mind you can always pick something back up, right? If you stop doing something and it turns out <laughs> somehow that was driving tons of revenue to your business, then you pick it back up. It's not the end of the world, but. Here's a case in point. Like uh, a few years ago, we realized we were getting almost no social media traffic. And yet I had a, a person working on our team part-time, managing all of our social accounts, promoting our content, posting it all over the place in multiple different ways. And we were getting some, but it was like probably 1% of our overall traffic. And so uh, so by the time we looked hard at the numbers and the effort and the money that it costs, like we just decided... We'll put everything on autopilot and no, that's not a fantastic social media strategy. But you know what? It's gone from like maybe 1% of our traffic to 0.9% or something uh, with zero effort, zero time, and zero money invested in that. Um, And we were able to then take those other resources and invest them in what's working better for us, which is search. Uh, and, And so I think if you can... You know, if if that had been catastrophic, we would have picked it back up and we would have figured out how to do social media and search together. But instead, we were just able to drop it, and it really wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I, mm. I think I think for a lot of us in the beginning, um, when we're getting up and running with a new business, we don't necessarily know what's going to work. So 
yeah. the common advice, and and this is probably not a bad way to go, is we kind of try everything, right? Mm-hmm. We, we mm-hmm. try social, we try search, we try email, we try podcasting, and so on. And that's probably a good way to go because you you learn what works, what doesn't, what it feels like to do that work, and so on, and how your customers react to it and whether or not you see benefits. What we don't do commonly is go back and evaluate those things and say, well, if you know I'm spending an equal amount of time, let's say you're spending five hours a week on each of those different marketing channels, one of them is going to be working better than the other three, I guarantee it. And so wouldn't it be smart to spend the rest of the hours that you're spending on those things and double down on the one thing that is working because it it becomes a bit of a multiplier or spend half of the time that you're doing on marketing and, mm-hmm. and just pour all the hours into the one channel that works really well. I don't think that many of us go back and actually evaluate that. And, and the danger in committing to anything in your life or your business uh, and letting it become a routine or a repetitive task is that it it is likely to just continue because the easy thing is just to show up and do that thing as opposed to doing the hard work of evaluating it. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, it's in that moment that you have to have really honest conversations with yourself and and make sometimes difficult decisions in your business. You may have to let someone go, you may have to, you know, spend money elsewhere or spend money on some, you know, spend more money to do something else that's actually working. Like those are tough decisions especially as a new entrepreneur maybe a year into it or something. Um that can be a real challenge. 
Yeah. Corey, I'm I'm curious. Um, was your business like so whenever you signed off on, on social media, was your business very similar to like Preston's where you get very little from social media? Because that was the question that entered my mind whenever you said that. Um, and I'm sure li- our, our listeners are probably thinking the same same thing. You said your business was not really affected. So can you, I'm just, this is just a curiosity question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Whenever we've looked in the past at the number of customers that we actually get from social media, and of course, the data is messy because you don't know if someone encountered your website directly from there or if they came from somewhere else originally. So it's hard to say, but um, we always pegged the number around three or 4% of customers that came from social media. And you know, I, I know that there are businesses where they're entirely built on Instagram or Facebook or something like that. And that, that's probably a different conversation. Um, however, in a lot of cases, the, the traffic that you get from social media doesn't necessarily have to come from your activity directly on that platform. It can come from content that you've created elsewhere that gets shared on those platforms. So even if you're not there necessarily like live tweeting events or... Uh, spending a bunch of time on Twitter or or whatever that platform is, you can still see traffic from those places because other people will still be there sharing content, blog posts, podcasts, and so on. And so it may be enough for you just to uh, you know automatically send content from other sources that you find to be more valuable, and you might still see traffic from the platforms. Mm, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, and I think I think too. Like we're not saying that social media isn't worthwhile for a business, or I guess I guess you know we could get into the weeds a little bit more where it's beneficial for your life or not. But in terms of business, like we're not saying social media is bad. What we're saying is do all the things, try them, especially if you're new, and then quickly come back and assess what's working and what's not working. And that's that opportunity cost, right? Not everything's going to be working, and I think Clay, you've done something similar, but maybe reverse of what Corbett and I have done. If I, you know, from what I've seen of your business, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like you've really leaned into social and maybe backed off like SEO, um, maybe backed mm-hmm. off, I don't know, maybe email. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure on that end, but but I, but from what I can see, like you've really leaned into social for your business, and that works for you, and you yep. get most of your customers from social media. So it's not about like cutting out social media; it's about it's about finding the best opportunities for your business so that you're not burning yourself out on all of the other things that really are only driving a small percentage of your results anyway. You cut those things out, you maybe take half that time and invest it in what you know is working, and then you have the rest of the time to do things that you want in your business or in your life, right? Yeah, and I feel like a lot of us hear advice from someone or maybe we have an entrepreneur or friend who swears by some particular channel right, yeah. or some use of their time. They're like, Hey, you know, if you're not podcasting, you're crazy. We, you know, we get tons of customers from it. And so you jump in and you try it out. And for some reason, it never clicks with you. And, and maybe it's something about your approach. It could be something about the way that you relate to that as a channel. It could be something about your particular market or your customers. But, but we still, we feel like there's something there because someone we, value someone whose opinion we value told us that it's a good idea and so we we just a lot of times we feel like maybe we're doing it wrong maybe it'll click at some point and we keep working at it and and I understand that but eventually I, I just think it's much smarter to to focus your time and effort mm. on the things that are working and and cut out the things that aren't yeah you know someone who I love watching 
do this in real time, and I know Corbett, I know you're friends with him, um, is Matt Givanisi. If you haven't listened to Matt's podcast, uh, Money Lab, or visited his his site, moneylab.co, you ought to check it out. He does this in real time. So he hears you know, from a buddy or a fellow entrepreneur that email marketing is working really well. And so he actually runs a real-time experiment over weeks or months, testing out email marketing, and then documenting his results and then deciding like, yeah, I'm going to keep with this. It was worth it. Or no, I'm going to ditch it. It wasn't, wasn't worth the time and effort. And it's been really fascinating. I've been you know following Matt for quite a while now. It's been really fascinating to watch his process of determining where he's yeah. going to spend his time. Yeah, and uh, I, this is amazing that you brought this up because uh, maybe maybe you saw this as well, but literally 24 minutes ago, I got an update from Matt. Oh, uh, I didn't see I'm, it yet. I'm on his email list. Sure. And he, this is a perfect example. He just sent an email. It says, I failed, is the subject line. He says, I spent months trying to make Money Lab Live a thing and weeks deciding to shut it down. The truth is it didn't grow as quickly as I thought it would, and that wasn't very reassuring. It's all about the long game, but this was a challenging game to play. So he had started a YouTube channel where he was doing a live sort of podcast-ish recording with people, either himself or with a guest. And he was doing it frequently, and it just has not grown for him. And he also has found at the same time that he was working on videos for a different site for a different purpose. And that site, even though he's only done three videos versus the hundreds that he did on the other channel, it has double the subscribers. So he's just finding Mm. that that channel is working for him. And so he's decided just 24 minutes ago to shut down his uh, Money Lab Live channel. And I love that. I love that experimentation. Yeah, that's interesting. He says that, you know, uh, in the end, the experiment failed. It's his fault. And it's because of the kind of creator he is, not because the the channel doesn't work for others. And he's saying that that's a realization that kicks ass because it allows him to do something that does work. <laughs> sorry, Clay. I thought you were going... Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, you know, lots of people could look at Matt's work and say, like, well, he fails more often than he succeeds. But if you look at it in this framework that we've been talking about in this episode, each realization of what's working and what's not working, it doesn't matter if it worked or not. What matters is that you realize where you should be putting your time. So, in in each of those cases, even this failure of his, in my mind, is a big success because now he knows I'm not going to waste my time and effort. Over here, I'm going to now try it on something else. Or I'm going to just free up the time that I used to spend. And I'm going to go, you know, he likes to, he likes to brew coffee. And uh, I think, I don't, I don't know what else and, he makes. And, and beer as well. And beer, is that what it was? Yeah. Beer. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And beer, exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, he runs a, a pool care website. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. of all things. But the you know, the, the, the other thing that um, I think a lot of us don't realize is that Matt is deciding that he failed. He's declaring it a failure, but in a way that's a success for him. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, most of us end up just continuing to do things week after week, month after month, and we're not admitting to ourselves that it failed a long time ago. Mm. And, And that to me is the bigger failure in continuing to waste time on something that's not working. Yeah. That's a, that's a long-term failure. It's a, yeah, a a failure you stick with and and it causes longer term problems. Most definitely. I'm getting, I'm, I'm just, I'm geeking. That's why I got distracted. Sorry. 
I'm geeking out <laughs> over this money light. Like, this is the first oh. time I've heard this. Oh, like, yeah, no. Like, seriously. I'm just looking at this dude's website. I'm like, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Subscribe to his newsletter. I'm gonna I'm gonna email him and let him know we gave him a huge plug on the show. But I <laughs> I, I am a huge fan. Corbett, I know you're a fan. Uh, Matt just like he writes so well, so so personally, like. It's just good, good stuff. And he runs mm. really cool experiments that you learn a ton from. He's got some great courses. Um, <laughs> that ends this sponsor message from moneylab.go. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's a rock star. I love the guy. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so I guess, Clay, Clay, what's resonating with you over there? Or, or um, where should we take the rest of this conversation? If either of you have had anything we haven't chatted about, we have maybe you know ten minutes or so left in the conversation. I'd love to address anything we haven't talked about in terms of not burning out, m- balancing your lifestyle with your business, avoiding this hustle culture. Where where mm. have we not gone that we still need to go? I would say uh, so. A couple of things. So this is like for me personally. Like one, it's just affirmation of the just things that I've always thought of, thought about. Um, just like just removing all of the things um, that, that are time wasters. But I would say like, okay, so a question that I, I have for you, Corbett, is uh, what are the like, what are like the top things that you would, you see or, or you, based off your experience, like, that people just waste time on uh, if you're an entrepreneur? Well, and, you know, I think I mentioned this earlier, but we all owe it to ourselves to every year or so periodically to just take a look at everything we're doing. And of course, there are mm-hmm. tools you can use uh, to do this. You could you could use a tool like Timely and actually log everything. Uh, there, there are tools that will actually look at your uh, screen and pay attention to which apps you're using and uh, keep a log of that just so that you have an idea. And, and I would advise... Not to use those every day for the long term because we all we all get a little blind to analytics after a while. So it's it's more useful just to do it as a, a specific thing, say for a week, to do a study on how am I yeah. spending my time and look at the apps. And you know, you you might find that you're wasting a lot of time uh, reading the news or or whatever it is that you do to waste time. We all have those things, and I think we can all lie to ourselves sometimes about how much time we spend procrastinating um, and and doing those other things. So so that's one thing. Um, and then the next thing is just to to make a long list and um, to look at these things in order of most time to least time and examine each one, how much time you're spending, what what return you're getting, and go down the list. I do a similar thing with my expenses every, say, three months or so. I'll run uh, from our accounting software all of the different tools that we spend money on. Uh, in fact, all of the things that we spend money on, including you know various uh, freelancers and services and, and so on. And um, just pull them over into a spreadsheet, sort them based on most expensive to least expensive, and then look down the list at each one and evaluate. And that way you're focused on the, the heavy hitters first. If, if there's something mm-hmm. that you're spending $10 on, it's maybe not worth... Uh, scrutinizing. Likewise, if there's something that you're spending five minutes on a week, it's likely not worth scrutinizing. But if there's something that is sucking hours from you every week or even more, then then that's definitely something worth looking into. Mm, that's so good. Um, it just reminds me of like we just recently did a my wife and I did an audit on our our, our billings, our expenses, and I'm like, what is this like? 
$29 a month that we've been spending for like three years. And apparently it was like my wife bought this thing, uh, 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 some TV network subscription that I've never heard of. She wanted to watch this one show. And then she watched it and then she never canceled. I'm like, I mean, <laughs> and it cost been, you a thousand dollars. Yeah, I've been paying $29 a month for three years. Like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the, the other thing though is I, I think that um, back to the hustle culture, I, I feel like a lot of us feel like we have to be in front of our screens for 10 hours a day, right? And, and if we do that, then we're doing good work and the the success will follow and and for some reason that's just kind of or whatever it is you know whatever time you have in, in mind that you need to be ass in chair in front of screen doing work and you know the reality is for most of us we we probably have more like 4 to 6 hours of actual productive time a day and the rest of the time um, we're just kind of procrastinating or or wasting time or whatever but if we don't fill that time with something else or have other things that we're interested in doing and willing to actually go do, then the default is you're just going to sit in front of the screen and maybe you'll be doing it for more hours than you actually have attention for or uh, energy for. So if you're going to do an audit of your time, you need to be thinking about, okay, well, you know, you mentioned earlier that, um, Clay, you wanted to spend more time uh, you know, having fun, spending time with family. Maybe there are other things that you want to do. You need to identify what those things are. If, if you want to go golfing or you want to um, take up pickleball or you want to go uh, to concerts more often or whatever it is that you want to be doing, you need to identify what those things are and then maybe start to pencil them in on your calendar and say, okay, well, if on Friday... Uh, I'm not going to have you know work time from two on because I'm going to be out doing something fun. Then that means I only have these six hours in the morning. Well, if I look at the things that I normally do and I look at the things that I feel like I need to do, which of those are going to take priority? And and just start to force yourself to work in fewer hours, and that'll uh, by default maybe help you focus on the things that actually matter. Oh, that's good. I I. Uh... It reminds me of, uh, I, I don't remember what it was, but I read an article um, where if you think about like a 24-hour day as like three separate days, and so like like three eight-hour days, you know, because like a work day for a typical person is like eight hours, um, unless you're like me and it's more like 13. <laughs> or you're um, like me and it's like five. Uh, yeah. Uh, so like, I, it reminds me of like, okay, split it up into three, three days, three, eight hour days. So eight hours of it sleep. Okay. What are the other two days? Right. It's like, okay, you got eight hours of work and then eight hours of, you know, personal time. So it's like, it reminds me of that a kind of a little bit. Um, you know, whenever I, I read this article and I was like, I'm spending way too much time watching my most embarrassing guilty pleasure, which is spending it on YouTube watching X Factor and American Idol auditions. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's, that's like that's taking up uh, a good amount of like two hours of one of my days. <laughs> Although, like I, I have to disagree a little bit because if that's like a thing that makes you happy, 
It doesn't make me happy. Okay. <laughs> it, it makes me embarrassed for myself. <laughs> okay, but like let's let's maybe not focus on that actual thing, but let's let's think about things that actually make you happy outside of work. Like so many of us guilt ourselves into feeling like we have to be in our chair in front of our screen working instead of doing something that we enjoy because I don't know, we were brought up on this like 8-hour day culture and now we live on this like 12, 13, 15 hour day culture of hustle. And it just like, it doesn't have to be that way. And in fact, back to your point, Corbett, like I actually get way more done now than I used to working an eight hour, nine hour, 10 hour a day job. And then working on my side business two or three hours a day, I get way more done and I make more money. And I take, you know, an hour jog every morning. I eat breakfast with my kids every morning. I often eat lunch with my kids. We always eat dinner as a family. Like I spend so much time not working. Um, and yet I'm far more productive because you start to channel those moments when you are working, you get done as much as you can. And then you just call it and you say, now it's family time or now it's hobby time or now I'm going to watch X Factor and American Idol or whatever yeah, it is, right? yeah. See, Corbett, this is the reason why I fanboy over Preston the way Preston fanboys over you. <laughs> <laughs> not, not even joking. <laughs> Love it. And, you know, I, I'd say also, obviously, some people are just going to work a lot. Some yeah. people are, are um, naturally hustlers. Some people actually derive a lot of the pleasure in life sure. from working. Yeah. And and that's that's something also, you know, if if you're beating yourself up and feeling like, oh, I really need to restructure my business so that I can spend less time on it and more time doing something else, you also need to just kind of evaluate your priorities and ask yourself, well, maybe maybe I am a hustler and and maybe that's okay. And and maybe if you embrace it and stop worrying about it, um, you'll find some emotional peace that way as yeah. well. For me, you know, I, I like to say that I'm an aspiring bon vivant dealing with workaholic tendencies because I, I feel pulled in both directions. I, I love the idea of living a life of leisure and, and uh, being into gardening and, and cooking and, and music and so on. But at the same time, I, I find myself driven to, to work hard. And that's just the tension that I'm going to have to live with. Yeah. I think that for me brings this whole conversation full circle, which is like, we actually don't care if if you love to work or we don't care if you love to do other things outside of work. The idea is to optimize your schedule to do the things that make you happy. And if working a 15-hour day makes you happy, it doesn't happen to make me happy. And I think it maybe makes fewer people happy than maybe they think it does. But if that truly is what makes you happy in life, uh, then you should pursue that and you should you should do that. If, you know, in Corbett's case, uh, if leaving all of social media behind you find makes you happier, then you should do that. Uh, if it doesn't, if you try it and it makes you less happy because maybe you're less connected to people you love around the world or whatever, then you should bring it back. But it's all about like experimenting, finding what makes you happy in life and in business and and always weighing that opportunity cost and always always getting closer to like your optimum happiness level both in work and in life. I don't know. Anything to add on the tail end here, guys? No, I, I think that covers it. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't want people to feel um, forced to do something in, in one direction or the other, but also I want people to feel like there are endless possibilities for yeah. how you structure your time and how you 
how you spend your day and how you build your business. And um, just because you've been doing something for years doesn't mean that you have to continue doing it. And it doesn't mean that you're actually getting any value from it. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's really good. This is, uh, I don't know about all of you listeners, but this has been super helpful for me personally. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I, uh, I, knew, I knew when we talked before, Clay, that we needed to get Corbett on the air. Corbett, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. As we wrap up, can you tell people where the best places are to find you, how they can connect with you, uh, and any parting word you want to leave? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Today, uh, nice to meet you, Clay, as well, and, and Preston. Nice to connect yeah, with to you again. You. Yeah, and um, for people listening, if if they want to find more of my writings and and uh, dive deeper into what I feel like is wrong with social media, you can head over to CorbettBar.com. Awesome. And I I'm not exaggerating when I say that a lot of the way Corbett thinks about business and about life has changed my life and my business for the better. Uh, it's It sounds cliche, but it's it's not untrue. He's a great uh, thinker when it just comes to stuff like this. So as you've seen on today's show. So thanks again, Corbett. Clay, thanks as always. And uh, have a great day, you guys. See you guys. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of the Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time, see ya.